Welcome to Peer Innovation, the podcast with Leo Batari and me, Randy Cantrell. Building on our previous shows, The Year of the Peer and What Anyone Can Do, we turn our attention to helping business leaders build high-performing teams. We'll talk with a diverse group of thought leaders who will share stories and insights that will help you and your teams achieve new heights. If you believe there is strength in numbers and that meeting the challenges of the future can only be achieved if we do it together, then join us for the conversation. Varid Kogan is our guest today. She began her career as a civil engineer, got an MBA, management consultant, got laid off. That inspired her to pursue her life's calling, professional coaching. And she joins us today to talk about mindset. We welcome Varid Kogan to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Peer Innovation, the podcast. The website is peernovation.co. He is Leo Batari. I'm Randy Cantrell. He's in Southern Cal. I'm in Texas. I don't know where you're from, our guest, but I'm going to turn it over to Leo and we'll find out. Yes, our guest, Varid Kogan. So excited to have you here today. As I mentioned, I first really became acquainted with you and your work because um, I know you were recently uh, recognized as a top performer, which uh, is speaker, which congratulations. And, you know, it's very, you know, exciting stuff. And, um, I just felt, and Randy and I, when we talked about this, felt like your whole work with regard to mindset and what that can mean for us as individuals, how we interact with others, how we are you know, coping with the world and everything that we're dealing with today would be just a perfect timing for our listeners who were really very focused on how do I um, build high-performing teams? How do I build teams you know, now in this new reality that are going to be, you know, productive and and happy and, you know, <laughs> all of that, right? And I think a lot of that is kind of going into it with the proper mindset, you know. Uh, one of the things that we had talked about a bit um, on another show uh, was everyone was complaining about Zoom calls. Like, oh my God, it was so, everyone was Zoomed out and they're sick of it and this, that, and the other thing. And, I, and in the show, we kind of said, wait a second, time up. If in the 2008 financial crisis, that had been a pandemic, there was no Zoom, there was no Slack, there was no Microsoft Teams, nothing. So why don't we instead operate out of a place of gratitude? Let's flip our mindset a little bit so that we can start thinking about what is positive about this and then come up and be imaginative about how we use this platform and be lucky that we have it. So I'm going to let you go you know, from there, but I want you to know that from our perspective, that's why you were really interesting, you know, for us. And I know you'll be really interesting for our listeners as well. So please, uh, we'd love to hear not only about your work, but, um, uh, you know, we always love to know where this came from. How did you become interested in this? Well, first of all, thank you, Leo, for your warm introduction there. To answer your question of where did I get into kind of the arena of mindset and resilience, and change management, because when you're talking about high-performing teams, what you're really talking about is how to create harmony, how to create a sense of safety within the team, so that not only are individuals themselves more coherent, meaning performing at their most optimal state, but together that you're able to do that. So the way that I got into this world is uh, initially through coaching. So uh, many, many years ago, uh, like perhaps some of your listeners, um, I experienced a distressing event, and that was that I experienced a layoff. 
I worked at a very intensive job that I loved. I got to travel all over and uh, and there was a merger that was going on. And so I lost my job, like 20 some other people in my department. And I was given the beautiful life-changing gift of a coach, a career coach that supported me and uh, really allowed me to master my mindset and be at my most resilient state so that I could really manage that change in the most effective way with ease and with joy. Because as you can imagine, going through a job transition is a scary place to be because there is uncertainty. Just like we're all experiencing with the pandemic, I mean, there's still uncertainty. And, and we don't know when things are going to, to change and how they will change. There's a lot of uh, you know, different things going on in our world, of course, and in our businesses these days. And so what's really important is to know that it is possible, just like it was for me back then, it is possible for each of us to manage our emotions during change so that we can perceive it in the highest and best way. As you said, to look at the positive, maybe to compare to past distressing events and say, look at where we are now, right? And and is it is that choice of focus, right? To really be at our uh, best mindset, which means to really believe that what we want is possible for us and available to us, then and only then can we let go of the sadness that goes with any change, of all the emotions, yes, the anger, the frustration that goes along with change, like you know, needing to do Zoom meetings or whatever the change that we're experiencing. And when we accept the loss, when we accept that we're no longer in that old reality, then and only then can our body, right, the unconscious mind that really dictates pretty much everything we think, feel, and do, it is at that moment of acceptance that our mind says, okay, all right, there's got to be another way. There's got to be a better way to perceive this. What is it going to take for me to achieve what I want in this new reality? And that is what many of us are experiencing these days. And so I'm so grateful that you are uh, sharing this episode with your listeners because they absolutely can uh, control, if you will, how they feel and how they think so that they can uh, find ease in whatever chaos is going on in their life or in their business or in their team and create what they want with ease. Describe your training prior to your coaching experience. Am I, am I correct in, you know, pretty scientific, intellectually rigid kind of kind of training so i'm i'm fascinated that you go from that to this heartfelt kind of a thing tell me about that so i began my career as a civil engineer and after working for a bit in the field i was working on uh, uh, certifying structural hardware for a jet engine manufacturer and i realized that's not the right fit for me now, I didn't know it back then, but now I know that my intuitive guidance, my heart was telling me, mm, this is not quite it. Thankfully, I listened to that voice and I decided to pursue an MBA. And uh, then I was uh, awarded the opportunity to work in consulting in change management at PricewaterhouseCoopers. So helping organizations through change. And what I realized is that when we talk about change management, you know, we can give people all the right strategies, all the right tools, all the right resources. But if there is some inner resistance to the change, if people don't perceive that they're safe 
to undergo the change, uh, they are going to uh, unconsciously or consciously resist it. And when that resistance happens, we see a drop in productivity, a drop in morale. And so this is why we need to support ourselves and others through change. So yes, I started from a place of being very analytical, very logical. I still am. And that experience of working with a coach helped me to understand that logic alone is not what's going to help me to create what I want because what I really wanted was to have more fun. What I really wanted was to work in marketing. I thought that would be so cool to have a creative job. Now, coming from engineering, right? Who's going to hire me in, you know, in a marketing role? Yeah, I mean, I took a couple of marketing classes in the MBA, but I didn't specialize in that. I specialized in operations management. So why would anybody hire me? And yet what I realized through the coaching experience is that everything is possible when I released the resistance. So I started to begin to ask myself different questions, like what would it take, right? Like what if this was possible for me, what would it actually take? And when I focused on the potential solution, my mind, right? There's a part of my mind called the reticular activating system, which helps me to become you know, tuned in to anything that aligns with my conscious intention. So what happened was that the moment I started to ask those questions, my mind started to give me the answers. Yes. Well, actually, you did take that class in marketing and you worked with that client. And, you know, so you were aware of some marketing and you're a fast learner. You can pretty much learn anything. And, you know, you can kind of shape the stories of your experience to demonstrate that what you actually did was, in fact, marketing. So I did that and I was able to uh, get a job. I got a job at Kraft Foods as I think it was a brand assistant was my first role there. And it was a tough job to get. There were over a thousand applicants, right? They were hiring straight out of the MBA programs and, you know, and packaged goods in those days was very competitive, but it was the ability to be able to master my mindset. It was the belief in myself that allowed me to pass through, you know, five layers of interviews and all of that to become one of the handful of candidates that were hired. So once again, it's not about logic. It is about logic and emotion. It is about, you know, doing whatever I need to do with regards to action and taking those steps and, you know, preparing my resume and all those good things and believing in myself at that deeper level, right? Conditioning my mind to know that I can do it. And once that happens, opportunities show up in our life. So, so I'm going to ask you to comment on two things that kind of come from me out of, out of listening to you. One is that... um. Peter Senge, you know, would always say that people don't resist change, they resist being changed. <laughs> That's number one. Um, and second, when we talk about, um, you know, in this show, in particular, we talk about our peers, we talk about the people who surround us. And what we know is that in the workplace, when we receive any kind of information that represents change, it's not as if we go back to our place of work and sit and absorb it and that's it and that's that. We engage one another in sense-making exercises to kind of figure out, is this good for us, bad for us? We should be worried about it, what's going on? So as you might imagine, right, you can either be surrounded by people who will look at change like that and say, we've got this. We This may be let's look at it from a positive perspective or, whoa, this is like really a problem. We're going to hate this. This is going to cause this, that, and the other thing. And now we get everybody worked up. So I, I guess, you know, if you could talk about the quote first, and then this idea that how important is it and how can we kind of sometimes step up to being surrounded by people who may be really negative about a change when in fact we feel differently about it? Yeah, thank you, Leo. Great question. So it is absolutely true that people don't resist change. They resist being changed because what happens is that change is 
unconscious. What do I mean by that? So change is not, you know, kind of here. Change is here. Yeah. Mm. I need to accept the change and be willing to adapt my behavior to make it more comfortable at at a deeper level. And in order to do that, for my unconscious mind to help me to do that, to feel safe to do that, I need to feel like I had a hand in that change, like I co-created that change. Yes. And so what we know from research is, and I, and I say this because I'm well-versed with uh, pro-size research, pro-size a change management methodology. And I'm a, one of the certified practitioners with pro-size. So I go into organizations and I, I do this work. And what we know is that, uh, first of all, the sponsor of the change, yeah, whoever is kind of initiating the change, if you will, and all of the change agents within the uh, kind of uh, uh, sponsor team, if you will, those individuals have a very important role in helping people uh, feel more comfortable with change, feel as if they are contributing to the change, like they're a part of it, right? They're not being changed, but mm-hmm. rather they are choosing to change. Yes, they have some agency or control over it. So yes, we as sponsors want to communicate a message with meaning, uh, with emotion to help people really kind of smell, taste, feel, see the future um, and really embody it. But at the same time, in order to lessen, uh, you know, people's resistance to the change, which may be conscious or unconscious to us or even to them, what we want to make sure is to help them feel like they have a hand in it. So how do we do that? Well, one of the ways is to really listen to the objections, yeah, to really um, ask people, hey, how do you feel about this? Because we don't know, right, what we don't know. We can assume mm-hmm. they feel a certain way, but that may or may not actually be true. Right? Well, we can assume why they feel a certain way and, and find out that the source of that feeling is very different from what you know, we anticipate. Yeah. Correct. So we want to ask those questions. How are you doing? How are you feeling? What's really important to you here? Because when we hear those words and we mirror those words back in the lens of a solution, then we're able to kind of really fire off the reward centers in their brain and help them to get some good chemicals into their body that lessen the resistance, make them more coherent, yeah? And therefore more at ease with the change. So what we wanna do is to communicate a message of meaning and also help people uh, be aware of why we need to change. Like why now, what's in it for them specifically, not just for the team or for the organization or the planet, but for them, for their career, for their family, for their well-being. Because when we can align uh, the results with their own personal values uh, in the lens of course of career, then they're going to feel more comfortable. And when we are communicating, what we want to make sure is to, once again, help them uh, co-create a solution, which is a good thing for us too as leaders because we may not know what is the best way to create what we want. We may think we know the right steps, but hey, maybe there's an even better way. So we want to communicate the what, yes, the final outcome rather than the how, right? All the steps Mm. that you know, people need to take to get to the final solution. Because when we do that, then first of all, we we allow people an opportunity to imagine what is the best and highest way for them to get the result that we want them to get. Yes. And and when we say to them, hey, what do you think is the best way to achieve that outcome? And we really listen to them and help to kind of co-create a solution. Then they feel more ease then it's not something that, you know, was done to them, but rather it's done for them. They get to shape their own future. Because think about this, when we think of trauma, trauma, yes, any traumatic event in our life, whether it was what we would call a big T trauma, like the big 
stuff, yes, that many of us imagine when we think of trauma or little traumas, like my boss telling me I need to do something different that I've never done before. Yeah, the way that trauma gets encoded is any moment um, that we really kind of perceive a situation in a way that makes us feel like maybe there's threat or danger or we're going to lose something and our body's in distress. And, you know, it's that moment where we feel like we don't have control over the situation. Yeah. Like we can't do anything to change the situation. So to avoid encoding, if you will, a, a type of trauma, what we want to make sure, first of all, is for people to be as resilient as they can be. So to offer some resilience training. But in addition to that is we want to help them feel like they are co-creating the solution. They're less likely to encode that as a negative traumatic event, which will then allow the body to just help them transition through the psychological change. Because anytime we talk about changing anything, whether it's changing uh, the way somebody does their work, or maybe there is a merger, right? Like kind of what I was experiencing when, you know, when I was laid off all those years ago, you know, what we're really talking about is going from a current state to a future state. Yes. So the organization is going from, let's say one IT system to a new IT system. Yeah. From remote working to in-person working, let's say, or some hybrid. And so as leaders, we tend to focus on that future state, yeah, because it's going to be really beneficial for the organization. Maybe we're going to cut costs, increase revenues, be more productive, efficient, whatever that might be. But individuals ain't thinking about that. What are individuals thinking? This is how I do my job now, and this is how I'm asked to do my job over here, and that's a scary, unknown, foreign place. So that current state, right, how they do their job now has a really strong holding force yes it's like pulling me to stay where i am in my comfort zone because my body doesn't want to experience chaos it's uncertain the body's going no right it's like a predator being in front of me mm, wanting to eat me right. yes. for the body it's the same so we got to help people know that whatever is that change that they're going to be supported that they're going to get the training and the knowledge everything that they need and to really help them understand that that future state is really good for them it's beneficial and it's possible for them you know, it's nice that I do think obviously more and more organizations are getting their folks involved in becoming part of co-creating that change because they realize that, you know, I, I think for companies that are still, you know, going back and they go away for a weekend or they go into executive meeting and just, you know, tell people, hey, here's the way things are going to be for now on. Yes, they can order it. Yes, they can do that. But I think they've come to recognize that that change either fails um, or it would take a heck of a lot longer than if we just got people involved in the front end, had them co-create probably a better solution at the end of the day anyway, because these are the folks that are closest to um, what they need to do. And, you know, we talk a lot of times about leaders who need to recognize that while we look at our organizations and we have our senior VPs and VPs and directors and managers and all that, it's really what runs horizontally through that organization that gives that vertical structure strength. And the more that we can understand that we've got people in the organization who may not have the fanciest title, but boy, they are really influential with others and they can be the difference between change being successfully implemented and even enthusiastically implemented versus not. And, you know, it's funny, I think the differences are on one hand, very small, and yet they're enormous. I mean, in terms of the impact they have. So, um, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And what we know, once again, from research in terms of best practice and change management is that when we are creating that sponsorship uh, team, what we call coalition, 
we want to start, first of all, looking at kind of in the lowest levels, who has the most influence, as you said, over the individuals, yes, the impacted employees, which is not necessarily who is officially, you know, supervising them. And we want to kind of help those individuals, bring them into the change, help them see their influence, their role. And then, of course, as you go up, right, making sure that all of the right leaders are involved in that coalition. Um, because, first of all, when we work with the individuals that are most resistant to the change, right, and we help them feel more easy, imagine the future, right, notice how this could be beneficial for them and for others, they're going to impact everybody else. Yeah, so we look at who has the most influence, make sure that they're on board, yeah, that they're not resistant to the change. And if they are, support them through that, give them the awareness, help them understand what's in it for them, the knowledge, the training, and of course, the continuous reinforcement to help them feel ease. And then they're going to uh, just more naturally, organically uh, help others to do that. So let me ask this. Um... When I start thinking about, um, again, everything that we're doing with regard to teams and what this means um, for the future, if there was one takeaway that you would want the people listening today to get from the conversation we're having now, what, what would that be? What, what do you want people to kind of come away with when you know, they listen to this conversation, they're looking at change, they're looking at this connection with mind and body, they're looking at, um, you know, how important mindset is. Um, what would you like to leave them? Yeah, I would really want them to know that all change starts with them, with them. So before even going and influencing their team and doing all of that, they need to go inward first and foremost to understand how clear am I, how's my awareness of the change, of why we need to change, why we need to change now, what are the risks of not changing, right? What's in it for me, right? Uh, what, you know, what training do I need? What knowledge, what skills, right? Do I need it to in order to be successful through this change? Why? Because we need them to release their own resistance to the change. Because Leo, one of the things that we know from research, I train groups on resilience and mindset and change management. And we always start with resilience, why? Because what we know from research is that we actually radiate energetically, not just through words or tone of voice or body language, but energetically, we radiate belief. So how I think and feel about a change is going to be projected at an unconscious level, yes, through this electromagnetic field around my body, and it will unconsciously be uh, felt by other people. So even if I'm saying all the right words, yeah, this change is the greatest thing ever and it's really going to help you. And, and maybe I believe that at a conscious level, but if there's a part of me that's resisting, maybe uh, some part of me that believes I'm not good enough, of course, you know, I invite your listeners to reject this, you know, that they're not good enough for the change or maybe they can't do it or maybe it's going to take a long time or it's going to be hard or they don't know exactly how to do it or maybe they're not worthy of it. Right? If they don't do that work to release that, you know, that is going to be projected at an unconscious level and people, right, their heart rate variability pattern will kind of sync with ours and, and they're just not going to trust it, right? So consciously, they may really want to change, but they just, there's a part of them that doesn't quite trust it, doesn't really feel that they're safe. And so this is why we see the number one reason for change program failure is that employee resistance to change. So we got to make sure that we do our own inner work first. 
which means we got to stay coherent. So I invite people to check out uh, HeartMath, the HeartMath Institute. I have a video on YouTube on the quick coherence technique, quick coherence technique uh, from HeartMath that they can check out uh, to guide them through that process to be more coherent, yes? And, you know, there are some uh, videos that I have on mindset, again, that they're welcome to check out on my YouTube channel to help them to release that resistance to change so that people can feel more ease. And then we can utilize all those wonderful change management tactics that we've been trained on to communicate the message with meaning, with conviction, and to do it in a way that we are congruent and we help other people to be congruent and feel safe and comfortable. And that's when we're going to see the results that we want to see during a change. You know, it's very much in line with our tagline. I'm sorry, Leo. The power of we begins with me. So we're very, we're very intent on people looking inward. Go ahead, Leo. Well, and yeah, and, and you know, to that end, Randy, I just wanted to share this one story that um, I know you and I have talked about, but about 15 years ago, and this will really, I think, really illustrate your point, Barrett. There was a architectural and engineering firm uh, that I was working with. It was a client. And literally, it was a bunch of old white guys who were running this firm who were scared to death about some of the upcoming changes in technology and all that, wondering, are we going to be able to keep up? What are we doing and all that? Well, the more I learned about the firm, the more I realized, first of all, it was a hundred-year-old company. So you can imagine this company has dealt with world wars and depression and you know everything you can possibly imagine, national natural disasters, you know, many fold over. And in every case, they always found a way to pivot. They always found a way in terms of their business and how they did things. So I remember taking their company history and rewriting it for them. So instead of just making it dates and all of that, there was a real issue of, and I had them read it at their executive committee meeting. And I said to them, not only you know, should you be not worried about the fact that this technology, technology, technical change coming and all the technology and everything, but there is nobody that has it in more of their DNA to respond to what's next than the people around this table. And they just were like, you know what? Damn right. And and just because they started believing in themselves and recognizing that this is already a part of who we are, all we have to do is tap into that. And when we do, we're going to be able to move forward. And they did, you know, but I think there was that real worry. There was that real feeling of defeat you know, for a while there, that this change was going to be just a little too much for them. So I, I wanted to share that with you because I've, I've most definitely seen that firsthand and I've seen it, you know, happen in many times in my career. Um, but um, Randy, I'll let you um, kind of tell the last um, question and help I'm gonna kind of her, bring us I'm gonna home her, here. I'm going to let her respond to your story. She looks oh, like good. she's got she looks like she's got a comment she wants to make. Good. Go well, you do that. Oh, you're always invited to do that. So, yes, I just want to really acknowledge you, Leo. And first of all, for being mindful of the fact that there was resistance, that there was fear and kind of tuning in to where that fear might come from. And also tuning in to what's possible for the team, because you were able to see that you couldn't they couldn't yet see that for themselves, but you could see that. And so you projected that belief and you gave their brain evidence that they will be safe by helping to acknowledge that they've been flexible, adaptable, agile through these changes over the years and that they've got the resources already inside of them to go through whatever issue, setback, challenge is going to be coming up. So you gave their unconscious mind evidence that they will be safe. And the moment that, that they felt safe, all of a sudden, their focus is now going to be on what is it going to take for us to get through this as well, maybe even thrive through this, not just survive. 
So this is the role that we get to have for other people and for ourselves to be that kind of belief uh, chief, if you will. Yes, that that coach that really helps to see what's possible when sometimes we've got our blinders on. Yeah, we, we can't see our own blind spots. And so we, we get to do that for other people, for our children, our spouses or, you know, everybody else in our family and community and, of course, our team at work. Um, so really just want to honor you for for coming at it from a very objective, loving place and uh, helping them to see their truth and what's possible for them. All I did was I, all I did was, you know, um, tell their own story back to them is really all it was, you know, in many respects. Right. Which made it credible, which made it believable. It wasn't me cheerleading. So you can do this. It was the evidence in their own story that all they had to do was see that they've already been doing it all along. And right. um, yeah, and yeah. I believe that they weren't reading the story, <laughs> right? And your intuitive guidance to do that, right? That came from your heart because you were coherent about this. You believed it was possible, and then some kind of intuitive guidance came in. Hmm, what if I do this? What if I communicate that? And you trusted that, Leo, and you communicated that. Yes, that is what made the difference. Yep, you were coherent, kind of congruent with this. You tuned in to your guidance and you followed that and it worked as it always always does Farad, share with our audience the best place that they can go and find out everything that you're doing yeah absolutely so one of the places is uh to go on my youtube channel if they search Vered kogan v-e-r-e-d last name kogan k-o-g-a-n because in there they'll see all kinds of videos, including recordings of my podcast. I have a podcast called The Mindset Game. And if they wanna to listen to it by audio, they can go to themindsetgame.com. And in there, I have all kinds of conversations, interviews that will be helpful. For example, like Joe Galvin, the chief research officer at Vistage, who shared recently around all the trends, Leo, that you kind of mentioned at the beginning, all the trends that we leaders are going through, all the decisions that we need to go through. Um, and my conversation with him was really centered around how do we become conscious of the unconscious to be more adaptable, like that uh, group, Leo, that you talked about. Um, another great interview is an interview with uh, Tim Creasy, who's the chief uh, innovation officer at ProSci, the change management firm that I mentioned. And he will guide you through some tips and strategies to uh, navigate employee resistance to change. And then I've got many, many other interviews with experts on how to navigate our own personal resistance to change and how to influence others. Uh, also, my website is MomentumInstitute.com. It's a little bit under construction now. In the meantime, they can visit veridkogan.com and learn a little bit more about my programs and uh reach and the out. podcast is at the minds mindsetgame.com yeah thank you randy the okay. mindsetgame.com i also have a facebook group uh where i share daily tips all evidence-based uh for those folks that are on facebook very positive uh you know messages to really help you to feel more ease around change in your life and to access that mm -hmm. you can your search on facebook the mindset game or they can go to the domain the mindset game group.com let let me know that you found it through this podcast it's a private group i'll be glad to uh let them in so to speak and hopefully they can continue to learn to you know how to live their best life and for those of you that are driving or on a treadmill don't worry about it just go to our website hereinnovation.co and we will have show notes for all of today's episode we appreciate you being on. I just want to hawk real quick before I let Leo take us out. Uh, we appreciate our subscribers, and we hope that you'll tell a friend 
We're on all the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. It goes on and on. So please listen on your very favorite uh, podcast platform. And we'll go ahead and hawk the Mindset Game podcast. So subscribe to that while you're at it. I'll let you say goodbye to us, Leo. Well, very Cogan, um, it's clear why you are a top-performing Vistage speaker. You have incredible value to bring to the table. I think every Vistage group out there or Tech Canada group out there should um, have uh, each of us at their meetings at least once. Very, very important. That's the kind of value they're going to get. And um, just thank you so much for joining us today. It was just a pleasure. Oh, thank you both as well. Just a lot of gratitude for the work that you're doing uh, in our world, bringing in more love and ease and joy. We, we all need it. And it starts with us, as you said, Randy. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. To subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how you can engage Peernovation for your organization, contact us on the website at peernovation.co. Until next week, remember, the power of we begins with you.